Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 137. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Next Step Test Prep, the MCAT podcast is here to make sure you have the information you need to succeed on your MCAT test day. We all know that the MCAT is one of the biggest hurdles you'll face as a pre-med, and we're here to give you the motivation and information that you need to know to help get you the score you deserve so you can one day call yourself a physician. Welcome to the MCAT podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week on the MCAT podcast, as well as many other podcasts at mededmedia.com. That's M-E-D-E-D media.com. I am joined, as always, by Clara from Next Step. We are continuing our breakdown of Next Step Test Prep Full Length 10, diving into passage number three. All right, Clara, back for some more Next Step Test Prep Full Length 10 Psych Soch. Last week, we had our first discrete passage or section. It can't be a discrete passage, but our discrete (laughs) section. And now we're back to passage number three. And uh, this one, if I turn to it on the MCAT, I'd go, I'd be very excited because it looks very short. So hopefully it's it's an easy one. Haha, well, that can be misleading. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so yeah, it is very short. And passages actually can be super short. I think the shortest one we've seen has been like 74 words, which is around what this is, but it could still be tough. Okay. Let's take a look. Passage three, deflection of the tympanic membrane transfers vibrations to the ossicles, whose function it is to amplify the vibration pressure delivered to the oval window, a small hole in the cochlea. Without this amplification, it's estimated that all but 0.1% of the incoming sound energy would be reflected upon contact with the cochlear fluid. Inner hair cells are the mechanotransduction cells responsible for converting the basilar membrane movement into auditory information. Figure 2, so we aren't showing that, you actually don't need it, shows their signal transmission pathway. The hair cells depend on stereocilia, microtubule-based projections. The tips of neighboring stereocilia are connected via actin-based linkages, and basilar membrane movement can either strain or relax the tensions of these linkages. When strained, the linkages activate nonspecific cation channels, which causes an influx of ions that depolarize the hair cell. As a result of the depolarization, voltage-gated calcium channels are opened, which subsequently causes the package and release of neurotransmitters into the synaptic cleft. The synapse connects the inner hair cell to spiral ganglion cells, which in turn connect to the auditory nerve that relays the information to our brain for further processing. 
All right. So <laughs> well, straight up psych Wow. <laughs> All right. Intense. So kind of some anatomy, little physiology here. Uh, yes. Okay. Very, and very so this is, this is the, I think, the frustrating thing for me and potentially a lot of students. They get to this passage and they go, wait a minute. Like, I never took anatomy. It's not a prereq for medical school. It's not a prereq for the MCAT. Why is this on here? And so it's it's one of those things that even though it covers it, I think, in the MCAT, like what we're going to talk about, it's not really a huge <laughs> talked about subject, anatomy and physiology for for the MCAT. So it's, it no. can be frustrating. It totally can be. It's interesting. It's only so only a really fairly small subsection of anatomy, uh, especially and then also physiology is covered on the MCAT. And it's usually lumped in with other sections like here we see psychosocial, like it doesn't even look like psychosocial at all if we think, oh my gosh, it's like ear bones and, and stuff like that. But psychosocial has a lot of anatomy and physiology of sensation. So the ears, the eyes, um, to a lesser degree, like mechanoreceptors in the skin. So that's why that's covered here. Yeah. Okay. All right. So question 14, in order to amplify the pressure exerted on the cochlear fluid at the oval window, the oval window must be A, larger than the tympanic membrane, B, smaller than the tympanic membrane, C, more rigid than the tympanic membrane, or D, less rigid than the tympanic membrane. Ooh, so larger or smaller or more rigid or less rigid. Um, interesting. So we want to amplify the pressure. Larger and smaller. I don't know if that makes sense. Just thinking about the anatomy and how the bones like touch. Would larger, smaller really matter? Um, but a smaller one. I'm trying to think of a drum. Like, uh, like if a drum had a really large surface area, would it be harder to make a sound versus? a smaller surface area. And I, I think it would. So maybe maybe it is larger, smaller is more important. So I'm going to go with larger, smaller first. And then it would have to be a smaller surface area than the tympanic membrane. And just kind of knowing anatomy, it is really small. And so it would have to be smaller, uh, I think. So be smaller than the tympanic membrane. Nice. That's uh, a hard one. That is a hard one. But I, I, it, I don't really... So the hard one for me was larger, smaller versus more rigid or less rigid. And and I don't know if that whole drum thing came into play, if that was a, the right thinking, but that's what jumped into mind. Oh, yeah, yeah, it totally works. You, so there's a couple different ways you could do it. The way I think we actually have in our explanation and the way I like to think of it is kind of like the drum way to think of it, but it actually does involve a little bit of understanding of physics. So it's just this idea that if you're going to exert the same force, right, you're going to exert the same pressure because I talk about pressure in the passage. Mm-hmm. If the pressure um, were exerted, pressure is equal to force over area. So if we're exerting mm-hmm. a force over an area, the way to really amplify that pressure is to exert it over a really small area because then you have a small denominator yep. and then um, pressure is large. So that can really help to make us say, okay, it's going to be smaller. The other way you could think of it in terms of this larger, smaller, more rigid, less rigid distinction is the passage actually defines the oval window as a small hole in the cochlea. 
And so we don't typically think if something's just a hole, like, um, you know, like an opening, we don't typically think of it as rigid versus not rigid. We're much more likely to think, okay, how large is that hole versus how small is it? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Number 15. Which of the following bones has a foot plate that acts as a piston, making contact with the cochlear fluid at the oval window? A. Scaphoid. B. Malleus. C. Capitate. Or D. Stapes. Ooh, so good anatomy here. So A and C are out. Those aren't ear bones. B and D, stapes and malleus, are ear bones. And I think the way that I remembered it is malleus, inkies, inkies? Yeah. And stapes, incus and stapes? Incus, yeah. Are the order, so from tympanic membrane and in, so it would be D, stapes, I think? You're right. All right. Yeah, you got the anatomy ones down. I the anatomy was my strong suit. I, it was just the the kind of thing that just fit my brain perfectly. Yeah, well that's that's handy. <laughs> <laughs> well, for what uh, I wanted to do as an orthopedic yeah. surgeon, it it, it would have been perfect. But as a podcaster, I don't know how it's helping. <laughs> well, it helped for this question. Yeah. So I'll yeah, and that it. was yeah that was perfect. Um, the A and C are actually bones in the wrist, yep. which is super random but totally wrong. Uh, and sort of a lesson, like if we don't need to know the bones of the wrist, but if you see a word and you aren't, aren't familiar with it, it's probably not something you should pick. And then, yeah, the your reasoning was totally right in terms of the stapes is the last bone of the three, and it directly makes contact with that cochlear fluid. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Question 17. The stereocilia of inner ear cells project into the endolymph fluid where there is a high potassium and chloride content, but a low sodium content. Based on this information and the information in the passage, which of the following ions would contribute most to the depolarization of the cell if the tip links between stereocilia were strained? Uh, Roman numeral one, potassium. Roman numeral two, sodium. Or Roman numeral three, chloride. Chlorine? Chloride. Chlorine. Uh, chloride. <laughs> chloride. Yeah. A, one only, B, two only, C, one and two only, or D, one and three only. So only potassium, only sodium, or potassium and sodium, or potassium and chloride. And so answer choice one is in all of them. So it's like maybe potassium's important or maybe it's not and it's just sodium only. And so... Going back up to the passage, the depolarization, gated calcium channels are opened, which subsequently causes the package to release neurotransmitters. Oy. Non-specific cation channels causes an influx of ions that depolarize the hair cell. Non-specific. So if... There's high potassium and chloride, but low sodium content. Which of the following ions would contribute most to the depolarization of the cell? Um, hmm. If there's already a high... Oh, man. I'm trying to picture what's happening here. So, the influx of ions. Non-specific cation channels open. There's a Influx, And so in the endolip, there's high potassium and chloride. And so that must be what's coming in because that's where all the stuff is. 
potentially. Um, so I would go with that. High, high potassium and chloride. And so one in three D is what I would go with. <laughs> so that was really good reasoning, but it's close, but not quite. Uh, so it must be two <laughs> then, two only. No, you oh, know. It's not. Oh, man. It's not. It's actually one only. Oh. It's A. And the reasoning is that your reasoning oh, was perfect. Non specific cations. cations. Oh, man. <laughs> so yes. chlorine, um, chloride is an anion. Yes. So that's out. Yes. Yeah. Cations only. Okay. Yeah. That's Those little adjectives are so, like cation channels, they're cations, the adjective. And adjectives like that that are familiar from our studies like are things I 100% recommend highlighting like if i were to highlight one word in this entire passage it would be cation because that's just a recipe for them trying to confuse us with an anion okay yeah ah man it got me okay (laughs) close all right so good good thought process but just miss that one small word that gets you every time totally question 18 yeah question 18 which of the following is most likely the excitatory neurotransmitter released into the synaptic cleft between the inner ear hair cells and their spiral ganglion? A. GABA, B. Acetylcholine, C. Serotonin, or D. Glutamate? Hmm. <laughs> neurotransmitters. Which of the following is most, I hate these most likely, most likely excitatory neurotransmitter? I, oh man. So this is a, a kind of a pseudo discrete here asking about neurotransmitters. I don't remember a ton about neurotransmitters. Uh, the only thing that kind of stands out to me is acetylcholine as a neurotransmitter. So I would go with B. Yeah, well, B, well, B acetylcholine is a neurotransmitter, but so unfortunately, so are all the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I'm like serotonin, that's in the brain. This wouldn't be, <laughs> uh, although we are in the brain talking about the ear, but okay. No. Well, you're right. It's not serotonin. It's actually uh, D-glutamate. And so glutamate, and it's, it's glutamate just for the single reason that they say excitatory neurotransmitter. Mm. And so GABA is the classic inhibitory neurotransmitter. Glutamate is the classic excitatory one. Uh, and <laughs> I I don't know how um, appropriate this is, but I actually had a TA in college who would get us to remember glutamate because he would say, oh, it's really exciting to like sniff glue and glue glutamate has glue in it. Uh, he was kind of a, a weirdo, but that worked for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They, they, you can you can uh, turn it around a little bit more, and you can go. Oh, it's a little bit exciting to to like see your mate's glute. Like think of it yeah. in that way. <laughs> you can. You can. Yeah. yeah. Do a lot with it. Yeah, I like that one too. All right. And then acetylcholine and serotonin. Why? What are those as far as neurotransmitters? And why? Why aren't those good ones? Totally. So serotonin, you're right, is really brain focused. It pretty much only comes up on the MCAT in the context of uh, reward pathways and also depression. Yep. So it's uh, thought to be very involved in depression, but not relevant here, uh, not excitatory or inhibitory per se. And then acetylcholine, uh, the classic, classic acetylcholine involvement is with muscle contraction. Uh-huh. So, that's, yeah. that's why it, kept, it popped into mind so easily for me because of my exercise physiology background. I'm like, oh, it's acetylcholine. I know that one. <laughs> Totally. All right. Relevant here. All right. So some good neurotransmitter stuff. All right. So good, good passage. Absolutely. All right. There you have it. Again, that was passage three from Next Step Test Prep Full Length 10. Just a reminder, if you want to follow along at home, go to mcatpodcast.com, find the latest episode, 
that we're listening to now, you're listening to now episode 137, and you can download the handouts from there. If you are interested in more full-length exams, hopefully you've purchased the AAMC materials, but if you need more full-length exams, I highly recommend using Next Step Test Prep's full-length exams. Time and time again, students come to me and say, Dr. Gray, Next Step exams were definitely the closest thing outside of the AAMC exams to the real test, and I would recommend them. So that's why I recommend them to you. And you can save 10% off any of their packages of four, six, or 10 exams by using the promo code MCATPOD, that's all capital letters, M-C-A-T-P-O-D, at nextsteptestprep.com. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. (laughs) 